how the West was won and where it got us. It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I am Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And we've got something pretty exciting for y'all today. This is the first uh, first of three in uh, what we're calling our Month of Mario series. That's right. It's a May! Mario! Exactly. Um, so, we have just moved into uh, August of 1993, and that just so happens to be the month in which Super Mario All-Stars came out on the system, and we thought it would be really fun to take a look back at the uh, first... Four, I guess you could say, Mario games uh, for the NES as sort of NES titles and as, you know, the this sort of uh, compilation. We will rank compilation as a whole at the end of this whole thing. But yeah, so uh, so for this episode, we're going to talk about Super Mario Brothers 1 and the Lost Levels. Uh, then we're going to have an episode about Super Mario Brothers 2, the one that we got here in America. And we're going to have an episode about Super Mario Brothers 3 to end it all. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I love talking about Mario, both the original games and I think Super Mario All-Stars. Pretty, pretty important formative parts of, of my gaming history. I know it is for you as well. So uh, what do you say we dig in here and uh, talk about talk about old Jumpman? Let's talk about this Jumpman. There's a lot of histories out there about the original Super Mario Brothers, you know, stuff documented on YouTube. There's there's websites about it. There's books about it. So it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to get into it too deeply. Nah, I'm just kidding. Okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, I don't just want to talk about the history of Super Mario Brothers. I want to talk about the history a little bit of the NES and the Famicom because those two things are pretty closely tied together. The Famicom, the Japanese NES, was released in 1983 in Japan, and in the first year of its life, it consisted mostly of arcade ports of Nintendo classics like Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., uh, the original arcade Mario Brothers game, Popeye, things like that. And in 1984, we start seeing the first third-party releases on the system, with games coming from Hudson Soft, uh, who were publishing PC ports like Load Runner and Nuts and Milk. And we also get some Namco arcade titles like Mappy, Galaxian, and, of course, Pac-Man. Uh, Nintendo started releasing some titles that would become classics uh, even here in the U.S., like Excite Bike and Duck Hunt and Pinball. But by the end of 1984, the Famicom library was not even 30 games deep. So pretty sparse library and no big system sellers the way that Mario Brothers would end up being. Um, now, I don't want to downplay the importance of those games. A lot of those early games are still worth checking out, uh, but they are all kind of limited in one way or another. A lot of them take place over limited numbers of screens that consist of black backgrounds and don't feature a lot of music playing throughout. You know, these games felt a little bit sparse compared to the kind of things that the NES and the Famicom would have released on the system over the following decade. So, uh, 1985. Big year for the Famicom, because uh, that was the year that Nintendo's uh, success would cause them to start developing the Famicom Disk System, which would get released in early 86. It was the year that the floodgates opened and more companies started publishing games for the system. Uh, so many games, in fact, that by the end of 1985, the library had ballooned to nearly 100. Perhaps most importantly, this was the year that Super Mario Brothers was released. The game was created by designers Shigeru Miyamoto and Takechi Tezuka, programmers Toshihiko Nakago 
and Kazuki Morita, and composer Koji Kondo. Super Mario Brothers' plentiful and expansive levels, nearly pitch-perfect controls, and inspired music and graphics that I still think hold up pretty well to this day, make it one of the most ambitious video games ever made by that point. It was quite literally a game-changer. And one other thing happened in 1985. The Famicom finally launched in the United States as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, at least in a few select markets. Most folks in North America would have to wait until 1986 to get their hands on the, on the system. So, of course, uh, by the first North American launch in October of 1985, Super Mario Brothers was ready to go. And in fact, Super Mario Brothers would end up being a pack-in title. So this meant that Super Mario Brothers had a pretty different perception to U.S. gamers than it did to Japanese gamers. In Japan, Super Mario Brothers was the culmination of everything that came before it and represented the limits of what the system could do without the aid of the disk system add-on or more advanced ROM chips. But over here, it was kind of the opposite. Super Mario Brothers was sort of seen as the baseline of quality. And seeing as how buying an NES meant you owned a copy, for many kids, myself included, Super Mario Brothers was the first video game they ever played, and expectations were set accordingly. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Super Mario Brothers out in America, 85 and 86. What do you think? Did, did, did you sort of think of Super Mario Brothers when you first played it as like, okay, this is what a video game is now, and, and sort of expect the quality to be at least that from there on out? Yeah, absolutely, because this was the game, uh, along with Duck Hunt and uh, Track and Field, this was what I got with the system. Like, this was the pack-in. It was the first game that I played on it, and it was the first thing that, you know, it, it was my understanding of Nintendo games, was this game. I, I was pretty young when I, I got the system, so it didn't really occur to me, like, that there were like all these different companies making games. But, you know, if a game like wasn't as good as this, uh, you know, it, it, it was pretty apparent to me, I think. And like, that doesn't mean I didn't play it because I was a little kid and I didn't have like a ton of like feelings about like, you know, game quality, uh, in terms of like what I would and wouldn't play, but definitely I would rather play super Mario brothers, you know, for like a long time until, something new and shiny came along it it definitely influenced my perception of like what video games were because before this game the only games i had played were like uh my father had like an atari 2600 and i had played like the version of pac-man on it but this was the first game that like really uh you know grabbed me and like that that made me understand like what i i you know would ultimately love about video games so I don't really remember what the next game I, I, I played after this was, aside from, like, the other pack-in games that came with it. You know, uh, it, it remained, like, kind of, you know, it's like, in the back of your mind, you always knew, like, oh, yeah, Mario's the best one. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, weird to have that be the very first game you play, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah, you know, I, I played it. I really liked it. I think, you know, like, we probably didn't have the vocabulary to really be good critics about, you know, why we didn't like certain games, but, but, but this one, it's like, it feels good when Mario jumps, right? It feels good to jump as Mario, right? Like there's little subtle things that we probably wouldn't have picked up on as kids, but like the fact that like Mario has momentum that like, yeah, when, you know, it, it takes him a few 
frames to get up to to his full running speed when you hold down the run button and things like that. You know, like that wasn't the sort of thing that every game had, especially around the the time when the NES was first coming out. Uh, For sure. For sure. I mean, if you go back and play like the older games, like there there is a a, a gulf in what you can do with the controls in something like, you know, Donkey Kong or original you know, original Mario Brothers versus versus this game. There is a particular feeling in this game of like running, jumping and then hitting a block where every part of that feels both sort of like inevitable, but completely like under your control. That is really special, I think, for games at this time. I I, I do remember spending what felt like you know, the, the first long span of time where I had the NES just playing Super Mario Brothers and occasionally Duck Hunt and Track and Field, because those also came with my copy of the system. It took me a long time when I played this originally to even beat like level one one, you know, because like I was learning how to control a video game. <laughs> and yeah, the feeling of of elation when I managed to do that, I, I can still remember to this day. It's it's a pretty special game to me. And I think, you know, that that they could not have had a better ace in the hole when it came to, like, getting people to love this system and to love video games than, than packing this game in with it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks attribute Rob, the, the robot operating buddy, to you know, Nintendo's success in America is sort of like their Trojan horse of, you know, ways of retailers to be able to tell parents, oh, no, it's not just another video game system. It's a toy, yeah. Yeah, it's a toy. But really, I think it was Super Mario Brothers. I I think Rob maybe got them, got the eyes on them, but, like, once people actually played Super Mario Brothers, that was the thing, you know? Yeah, like, Super Mario Brothers is the reason this didn't become another Atari or, or what have you, because, like, there was software that people would want to go back to and play over and over again and wouldn't just yeah. immediately want to take back to the store. Uh, uh, you know, in one of his um, NES works videos, uh, Jeremy Parrish, Big Papa Parrish, I think put it real succinctly by saying that, um, you know, the NES could have succeeded in America without Super Mario Brothers the way it did in Japan. But with Super Mario Brothers, it could not have failed. And I think that's like, yeah, yeah right on. That is a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> It was almost a little bit intimidating, like playing that game for the first time. I I definitely experienced video games before through friends and stuff, which is how I even found out that you know the Nintendo was a thing. But I never really played it. Like I like at my friends' houses, I was always more inclined to just watch them play because I wasn't sure I would know what to even do, and it was just kind of more visually fascinating for me to just watch and and see how it all worked and yeah, you know what happened as they they got further along. So actually playing it, you know, it was it was almost a little bit intimidating at first. And like just because, you know, I was young and, and didn't understand how programming or anything worked. And, and, you know, the fact that Super Mario Brothers did have like secrets of its own to, to explore, it was kind of like, what could this game do? Does this game have like weird hidden secrets about it that, that yeah. I don't, you know, that, that like we don't even know about? I, I would have like weird dreams about the game just doing weird like almost upsetting things at times, but like, it was just kind of part of that intrigue for me. Like what, what can this thing do? What, what, what secrets does it hold? 
Yeah, no, I think there is something really magical about the, the secrets you can find in this game and like the the feel that like almost that you're getting away with something when you when you run across like the top of like, you know, level like one, two and get into like the warp zone area. You know, the fact that you're like running mm-hmm. in the area where like the game's like UI is, uh, I know it was like a technical there was like technical reasons why it had to be that way. But it's a great touch. Like it, it's it's so cool seeming to to be kind of invading this bit of the screen that it doesn't seem like you should be able to. And then finding something out of that yeah. um, is really cool. And like, if you really look at it, Super Mario Brothers is like a very, for what it is, it's, it's actually a pretty minimal game. Even like some of the later levels are just sort of like challenge versions of some of the earlier levels. It's like, oh, here's one three again, but we've added bullet bills or hey, right. yeah. this is the same castle you already did, but uh, you know, now it's got a lot more fire traps in it. That doesn't matter though. Like it it doesn't mean that like those levels are less special because it 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 always sort of feels like you're uh, exploring and there could be something cool and interesting around the, the corner, no matter what, no matter what part of the game you're in. The Mario series at its best is this kind of magical thing that feels like any particular space you're in could go on forever and there could always be something new to find in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that really starts here in a really, really cool way. And, and how many like playground stories sprung up around, you know, like things that supposedly oh, yeah. you could yeah. do that you couldn't actually do. Like I remember a story where a, a kid swore if you ran fast enough, Mario would lose his hat. And I remember that story. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I don't know if you ever did this, but, uh, I I used the Game Genie device at one point to to do a bunch of weird stuff in this game that you know you're not supposed to be able to do like jumping over the flagpole at the end of the level mm-hmm. which leads you into uh a weird endless inescapable repetitive thing where you just run forever and like the background glitches and there are weird like bits of collision that you have to like jump over and um you you kind of just go until the time runs out and obviously this is like just the games like not really knowing how to handle but but like even yeah. even so like at the time it felt like oh i'm in a weird bad place now like it still felt like cohesive to me with the experience of the rest of the game in a, in a strange way yeah, uh, to do stuff like that, that was totally not like, you know, uh, planned for by the game. So yeah, like, I don't know. It, it's kind of a cop out to say this game is really special, but it, it is special. Oh yeah. I, I feel like th- the first time I played this game was when I got my NES and I don't really understand why I wanted the NES without having seen this game because I I begged my parents to get me one. I guess I must have just seen commercials for it. And like my mom was like kind of resistant to getting me one because I had a bad habit as a kid of getting toys, playing with them for like a week and then never looking at them again. And, you know, she was like, you know, oh, you're just going to get this thing. You're going to play it for a little while and then it's going to like sit in a closet somewhere. And um well, here we are, you know, 30 some odd years later, and I have never stopped playing video games. And I think part of it is, you know, I don't know what the trajectory of my life would have been without Super Mario Brothers being like the first game that I really like laid my hands on that, you know, uh, was mine. It definitely changed my life to, to play this game. 
having the the Nintendo and then later the Super Nintendo was a you know a, a big thing for like getting together with friends and and playing through games and, and things like that. Like it, it was you know a big event. You know like oh hey we're gonna have a sleepover but we're gonna go to Blockbuster first and you know we can pick out another yeah. game to try out. You know, that was always a big thing, too. It's funny. I remember, uh, you know, a period of, of my childhood, you know, probably after I'd gotten the Super Nintendo and kind of looking back on Super Mario Brothers um, and, and thinking it was kind of boring. But like now as an adult, I'm just kind of like, no, I would play Super Mario Brothers before I would play like probably the majority of video games that have ever been released in history. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Same here. Same here. Like I pick this thing up and I'm like, yep, it's still got it. Like, this is still the stuff. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers. I don't know if you guys have heard, but it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if you've never played the original, like, if, if we've got some younger listeners who have never played the original game, you know, try it out. Like, however you need to do that. Hint, hint. There are so many ways you can play this game. So many different ways that are totally, totally legit. Yes, there there are actual, like, lots of legit ways to play this, too. Yes. <laughs> I think this game is, like, so immediately approachable that I think that no matter what your background that you're coming at this from, you'll appreciate it. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the stuff would just become Mario mainstays throughout, you know, Mario's history that, that still show up today. Question blocks, mushrooms that make you bigger, fire flowers, turtles. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say, I think that this is the best Mario feels to control in 2D. Like, I've thought about it a lot, but, and and I, I love the way, I think that, like, Mario World gets back to the feel of these controls pretty well. Like, it's it's the closest, I think. But I think that in terms of just, like, the pure feel of, like, the joy of moving him around... The only other game that Nintendo made that really manages to to capture this feeling is Mario 64, where like the pure joy of movement is 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 right there. It's it's by degrees, you know, because like I think that, you know, there's still like a way that Mario games feel to play that is like the best of practically any platform game hero you can you can control. Uh, But I think that among those, I don't know that I think they ever quite got the specific feel that this game has. And maybe that's just nostalgia talking. Maybe it's because this was the first one for me that this feels the best. But uh, it does feel really good to play, even, even you know, uh, regardless. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so do we want to talk about um, the Mario All-Stars version of Mario 1 specifically? Because yes. there are a few changes. I think the physics feels pretty similar. It feels pretty accurate. Pretty similar. It's not quite the same, but it feels yeah. pretty close. I would say, like, a lot of the things that were glitches in the original uh, remain intact with a few exceptions. Like I think the wall jump is still possible. The wall in... jump is still possible. I did it. Uh, I, oh, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, I was never good enough to actually perform wall jumps in that game. But if Mario snags on a piece of scenery as he's falling, if you do just a, a frame perfect uh, tap of the jump button, you can actually make Mario jump off the wall 
which is kind of neat. I've never been good enough to do that, but uh, it's a, it's a common speed running tactic. I know. Yeah, I'm not good at it either. I did it like accidentally a couple of times. So yeah, that that stuff's still there. Uh, the layouts, level layouts are all the same. You know. Yeah, everything's but. just kind of gotten a new coat of paint. One glitch that sadly did not survive that I think they should have just left in was the minus world. Yeah, which was one of those weird secrety things. A lot like what you were talking about with jumping over the flagpole and the game just kind of glitching out. Um, Finding out years later that there was this way to access a quote unquote minus world kind of blew my mind back in the day. But because uh, because it was the kind of weird thing that I had imagined this game might be capable right. of, but it never actually surfaced to me. So that was pretty wild. Um, but yeah, sadly, they left that out of the uh, the law or sorry, the lost levels, uh, this remake. But we get new backgrounds, you know, we get new jazzed up scenery and things like that. But I will actually say, and this is not my opinion on this collection as a whole, uh, Super Mario All-Stars, but I think for Super Mario Brothers 1, I think they made it too pretty. It, it changes something fundamental about the game to have it be this, because I think there's something kind of almost abstract about the original game and like how it looks like. There's something like weirdly stark about it that um, mm-hmm. I really like. And yeah, this by making this one look visually in line with like Mar- Super Mario World, basically, it it does change it in a way I'm not a hundred percent a fan of. I mean, it's not bad, but it's very different. Yeah. Like making all of the overworlds, these kind of grassy plains, removing the, the very iconic, you know, cracked dirt ground block of the original that anybody who's played the game, you know what I'm talking about. You can see it in your mind. Yeah. You know, that's all gone. And instead Mario's just running through these grassy fields. And I don't know if I like that. I tend to think of the, Super Smash Brothers stage where you're actually fighting on World 1-1 as it kind of scrolls forward. Everything's just this parched desert. And that's actually like kind of what I imagined that that those stages looked like back in the day. It's actually kind of funny. This is a little bit of a tangent, but like when I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie and there's like this long sequence where they're stuck in the desert, mm-hmm. my thought was like, oh, this is just like World 1-1. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like this is just, this is the Mario world in, in a lot of ways, you know? And I'm sure that like that that decision in the movie was probably made because so much of original Mario just looks like it's happening in this sun baked dirt desert. I also think that like the much more Mario world ish big Mario sprite in this looks kind of strange uh, in in context. These days, when you go to Nintendo of America's website, the, the favicon, the little icon that shows up on your browser tab. Yeah, it's the NES little Mario, right? Yeah, exactly. Knowing like how iconic that original 8-bit Mario sprite is now, you know, like if they had that same attitude back then, there's no way they would have changed that sprite, you know, as much as they did. I I wish this game looked more like original Mario Brothers. This is a thing we will not see this same issue recur with Mario 2 and Mario 3. Those ones are going to look a lot closer to their NES original design. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because those were a little bit, a little bit more detailed anyway. So it was easier to just sort of fill in details on those. But with this, like the original Mario is, is early enough that I think they thought, you know, well, we've got to make this look a lot different. And I kind of like the stuff they did with the sound 
more in this than uh, than I do with the visuals. But there is that element to it as well, I think, where it's a little bit it's so it's so much richer. Like they they added like the echo, like the cave echo sounds to. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that stuff. But I think that the choices they made with the visuals in this take it into kind of a weird place. And uh, I will also just say I do not like the the big like victory sign Mario face that is in the background of all the bonus areas in this. I don't know. It's kind of gaudy in a way I don't I don't appreciate. Yeah, it, it's it's a little much. And also like the fact that uh, it, it's the only time in the game where they've added new music that wasn't in the original that I remember. So, yeah, I mean, it's still Mar- Super Mario Bro- Brothers. It still plays almost the way that that the NES game did. But yeah, as far as the visual design, I, I think they went a little too far with it. Because I, I get the impulse to add backgrounds, but I don't think I think it's the foreground stuff that's sort of more the problem for me. I don't know. I also think that, like, maybe some of the Bowser's Castle stuff is a little much. You've oh, got like yeah, the, the lightning yeah. strikes and all the, the portraits of Bowser. It's kind of neat. I love. But but I mean, once again, it goes back to me loving the way the original game looks like I love the like back back black backgrounds yeah. and like the the like kind of bone white tile you know, <laughs> design of, of mm-hmm. the, the castle right. stages in the original game. So yeah, I do think it loses something a bit by, by putting so much more into it. By adding all the backgrounds and the lightning and everything, like somehow they made the castles look less foreboding than just the stark black backgrounds did. You know, uh, it's the work they did here is good. Like it's not badly done in any way. It's just sort of not, really germane to the original effect of, of the game that they're recreating. And, um, that's a bit of a shame. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how much more I really have to say about the visuals or anything, but you know, it, you know, it, it is still the original game and I, I still enjoy playing it a whole lot, even if I would in some ways, this is the one game in the collection that I would probably really rather play the original NES version. And I will say letting you save your progress from the start of a world without needing to, you know, like hold down a controller button is nice. So you don't have to do it all in one sitting. So for a lot of folks, again, I, I think this would include me, um, this might have been the first time they ever actually managed to beat Super Mario Brothers one because yeah, uh, yeah, me me too, it, me too. It's a very difficult game to get through all in one sitting for sure. Yeah, it, it's very challenging. I in fact I, I played it. I started playing it yesterday just to see if I could play it all the way through without warping. Uh, and I think I made it up to about World Five where I realized, oh no, no, I can't just blaze through this game like I thought I could. <laughs> yeah, that same same thing happened to me. Yeah, it's like, sure. like a literally, it was like five two was where I I hit the wall. Yeah, it's like me thinking like, oh, I can definitely still do karate like I used to in my twenties. Oh no, no, I can't actually. up the the sort of story again uh, that I was uh, telling before because as we move into Super Mario Brothers 2 which um, okay so I think for for clarification from here on out I am just going to keep referring to Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan as the lost levels and anytime I say Super Mario Brothers 2 I am talking about the you know reskinned Yumeko Jo Doki Doki Panic that we got over here yeah yeah, you all know the story. You're here listening to a Nintendo 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to a Nintendo retro podcast. We are going to tell the story, but in terms of the name, you know what it is. We're also not going to call this Super Mario Brothers for super players, which I think is also like uh, a valid name for this game. Oh, yeah. Valid, uh, but a, a mouthful. That, <laughs> but, but a mouthful. So it's the Lost Levels. So the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 2, a.k.a. The Lost Levels, launched in Japan a few months before the proper launch of the NES in North America in 1986. Um, Lost Levels played almost exactly like Super Mario Brothers 1. It used a lot of the same assets, uh, though some of those aspects had been changed. Some sprites were altered, uh, most notably that ground block that I was talking about got a makeover, which I'm actually not happy about, but, you know. Uh, And uh, the mechanics were tweaked ever so slightly. Um, So this was meant to be a single player experience where Super Mario Brothers 1 had been, you know, an optional, you know, two player alternating kind of game. Uh, This was single player only. And instead of letting the second player play Luigi, the only player would get to select if they wanted to play the more sure footed Mario or the higher jumping Luigi, which is, uh, you know, that was a new aspect to this particular game. Lost Levels was also a lot more difficult and featured new obstacles and hazards like decoy power-ups that would actually kill Mario, wind that would affect his jumps, and hidden block puzzles that would need to be navigated in order to proceed. This was clearly intended for players who had already mastered the original and wanted something much more challenging. Now, the story that everybody knows, that literally everybody who's ever read any video game blogs ever has been regaled with, is that... Nintendo of America employee Howard Phillips tried Lost Levels, felt that its difficulty would frustrate players and convince the higher ups in Japan that they shouldn't release it and should turn something else into Super Mario Brothers 2 instead. Now, there's I'm not saying that like, you know, that definitely didn't happen or anything, but I think this game had more going against it than its difficulty uh, as far as its American launch was concerned. Uh, For one thing. Lost Levels in Japan uh, only released on the Famicom Disk System, which was a Famicom add-on that never got a North American uh, uh, NES equivalent. So there weren't any cartridges of this game being manufactured, and converting the game would take time, uh, which leads to another issue. Due to Super Mario Bros. status in America as the quality baseline, Nintendo execs worried that this game might look dated to American gamers and their parents by the time it would be ready for release. And that was a legitimate concern. If a conversion of Lost Levels released in America around the same time that our version of Super Mario Bros. 2 did in 1988, uh, would gamers be as excited about another Super Mario Bros. at a time when games like Metroid and Castlevania and Mega Man were already out? Hell, by the time Super Mario Bros. 2 was coming out here, Japanese gamers were already about to start playing Super Mario Brothers 3. So Lost Levels was scrapped for a North American release, and we got a completely different game with the title Super Mario Brothers 2. And I do think that that was the right call. But we will talk more about that game in our next episode. So for now, we are just going to talk about the Lost Levels. I will start by saying I do not think that uh, the... Super Mario All-Stars ification of the Lost Levels actually does it a lot of favors either because you mentioned that there are some like graphical tweaks, graphical upgrades and and whatnot in uh, original Lost Levels, you know, Famicom Disk System Lost Levels over the original Super Mario Brothers. 
And those get basically wiped out here because they have used all of the same graphical assets for their remake of Super Mario Brothers in the Lost Levels, which means that you are left with this kind of disconcerting thing where there's a game here that literally looks exactly the same as the other game that you you may have just played. It's right next to it on the, the list. And there are fundamental differences in the way this is structured, the, the design philosophy behind it. I do not like the Lost Levels. I don't really enjoy playing it. I don't enjoy the way these levels are constructed. Playing it again for this show really kind of reminded me of, of all the reasons why I've bounced off of this every time I've tried to play it. Okay, that that's interesting. I I definitely did not get very far in it um, this past week when I was trying to play it for this show, but I did actually beat you it. You did back in the, okay. Yeah, I did actually beat it back in the day. It, it's a, it plays some tricks on the player that I almost think are kind of funny in hindsight, like the idea that there are levels where actually to proceed you need to hit a block and climb a vine up to a cloud area where the actual flagpole is. Uh-huh. You know, where normally that would just be a bonus area that you could you could opt for if you felt like it. But if you didn't go up there, the level would just keep looping around because you'd be forced into a pipe that would just send you back to another, you know, an earlier part of the game where you would have another chance to grab the vine and, and head up. No, that is kind of a neat idea. I mean, it's actually something that would get explored later on in things like the ghost houses in uh, Mario World, uh, you know. And, like, I, I think that kind of stuff is cool. I, I just think that, for me personally, this game feels more like a weird Kaizo level pack than it does, like, a coherent sequel to to Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I I don't think this is quite as... as like mean spirited as a Kaizo level. Not quite. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it, it's, it's obviously very challenging and there are some really weird mechanics. Like, like uh, another thing that they do in some levels is like, you have springboards that launch Mario off the screen and he just stays off the screen for a few seconds, allowing you to kind of, you know, like scroll the screen forward before Mario falls back down that can be really weird the first time you experience it. Like you almost think like, okay, uh -huh. did, did the game just glitch out? What happened? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I, I get that like that sort of thing can make the game feel almost mean at times, but I do think that this game is, it's, it's approachable as long as you've got patience. There are times where you are almost certainly going to die the first time you attempt something, but it's not like a Kaizo level in which, like, you're almost meant to die, it, you know, like, it very set points multiple times throughout the level the first time because uh -huh. they just put things that you cannot possibly anticipate. Right, um, right. I don't think this game is quite that unfair. No, I suppose not. I mean, it really is truly what it said on the original box. This is a game made for people who have already mastered the original Super Mario Brothers and want really challenging new Mario levels to play. And, you know, I think if you are, like, just amped up and ready to go on, okay, what's this game got for me? How do I how do I overcome these challenges? If you approach it in that spirit and with patience, like you said, I think you can get a lot out of it. I do think that, like... The way the fact that this is the way that most um, people in America first experience this game 
it really doesn't do it a lot of favors because I think that like if you were the kind of person who, you know, they had the original Mario, maybe they had all three of the original Marios and they get Super Mario All-Stars and they're like, oh boy, I'm so excited to play this new Mario game I've never touched before. They they start this up and like I said, visually it, it looks contiguous, completely contiguous with uh, Super Mario All-Stars, Super Mario Brothers, you know, starting this game up, it, it's really kind of a bit of a shock to to start with because it starts playing tricks on you right away. And they are funny tricks. I'll, I'll admit they are funny tricks. Like the fact that you have a poison mushroom, uh, you know, the first the first power up that you can get in this game is just a poison mushroom that kills you actually very funny <laughs> so, it is you know. funny and and also i i will um go to bat for this particular version of the game a little bit like the the poison mushrooms here are very distinct and they're very from, clear they're much yeah. clearer than in the nes version in, in the the famicom disk system version for sure yeah in the, in the famicom version um the, the poison mushrooms look almost exactly like regular mushrooms just with slightly different coloring so yeah you may not even understand why you died the first time you picked true, one up. Whereas true. in this Mario game, you touch a mushroom that looked very different from the power-up mushroom you're used to, and you died, and you learn really quick, okay, don't touch that thing. Going back to the first level of this game, you know, so, so technically... The first power-up you can get is actually a super mushroom in the, the first set of bricks that are kind of got like a, a Koopa Troopa enclosed above you. But already this game is saying like, okay, I'm assuming you've already played the original Super Mario Brothers and you know that you can find power-ups just in regular old bricks sometimes. And then also you can bounce power-ups off of things if you hit a brick that it's on from below because you have to actually pop it up to get it out of that little cage that's suspended above you in order to get it. So the game is already telegraphing, like, you're, you're going to have to have a slightly deeper Mario knowledge to, to complete this game. And yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of like it. I appreciate this game for what it is. That's fair. And I, and I, I, should, uh, I should also accompany this by saying that, like, I'm glad we got this game here. Like, I'm really yeah. glad this is in mario all-stars and that you know we we were able to experience this in this way because i think in some ways ideally what this game represents to me is what would be kind of in sort of uh, a modern mario game the very challenging levels that you can unlock at the end of the game you know yeah uh, yeah exactly it is it is a bit more or less that kind of challenge and i appreciate that being here and it being like in a package with original super mario brothers as well yeah i i think it actually works better that way because it feels like what this game truly was which was really like kind of an expansion pack full of way more difficult levels i think being packaged with all these other mario games just being like hey here's this sort of expansion pack of the original game that's you know maybe not for everybody because it is re really really tough and this is yeah. going to be really really frustrating for a lot of people and a lot of people just might not want to see it through which is you know hey like that's certainly not a criticism i can lobby at anyone <laughs> because uh i i will be the first to give up on games that i deem too frustrating these days so i totally get it but yeah i i am glad that this is here 
because I don't have the nostalgia for this one that I do the original, like I'd almost have been okay if like they left Mario brothers more or less alone in the graphics department and did all their upgrades and, and, you know, put yeah. up this one. But I do also understand that like, they probably made these games look exactly the same because a, they did use the same assets more or less uh, originally and B there may not have been enough room on the cart for a whole other set of unique yeah, sprites for yeah. the entire like, game. I, so. I don't think they should have gone through all the effort to like make things look slightly different in this game versus original Super Mario Brothers, to be clear. Like I get why they did what they did here. Um it it does it does put it in just kind of a different a different position, I think, than this game was when it came out originally. But of course, it would always have been that whenever they decided to put it out here. So um, I think this was a good way to do it, honestly. And yeah, like I don't enjoy this game in the same way that I do the original Super Mario Brothers, just because I, I think the the extreme challenge level does lose some of that like breezy fun. Uh, but also like, you know, this game is exactly what they wanted it to be. And I cannot fault it for that. Also, uh, going back to your comment about, you know, like Mario games having tough levels that you would have to unlock. um, This is the first game that actually introduced that concept because. Oh, yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. As difficult as this game is, it also has its own set of like four entire worlds after World 8, worlds A through D that you can uh, go through. Now, originally, you'd only get a chance to play through those worlds once and. Uh, after you beat World 8, and once you died, that was it. You'd have to start the game over. Uh, this version is much more merciful in that you can save your progress at those lettered worlds, so you can actually experience them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is also a World 9 that I believe you can only get to by not warping, which includes not taking the bad warp zones that will actually take you back oh, to man. previous worlds. That's so brutal. <laughs> wow. Um, World nine is just kind of like a really weird water level where like you, you grab flagpoles underwater, which is not something you ever did in any of these Mario games before then. It, it was just meant to be like a really weird ethereal sort of thing. Maybe a little bit inspired by the minus world from the original. Uh-huh. Game, I don't know, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's world nine and, and worlds a through D. Uh, but again, you know, like this game makes it a lot easier to experience those. And the wrong warps are things that uh, that also make me chuckle a bit, because I do remember um, ending up at one once when I was playing through the game, you know, back as a kid, because I, I remember even thinking like, OK, it looks like there's a warp zone here. This feels too easy. What's going on? And then when I got to the warp zone, it said, welcome to world like four. And I was on world six. And I was like, OK, OK. Yeah. All right. Fine. Um, Luckily, there's a pit there, so the game will let you just self-destruct rather than actually sending <sighs> you back right. if you choose to do uh, that. That's so. the Lost Levels experience. <laughs> De- I, De- I death would not or fall for your yes. yeah. <laughs> I chose death. <laughs> Put that on the back of the box. Lost Levels, I chose death. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh. That's good. I, th- I think that's going to do it. Did we have anything else for, th- for these two games for today? I, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, only thing else I could say is um, boy, that all night Nippon. Uh, oh, yeah. It's officially put out by Nintendo <laughs> was weird. It would have been cool if they could have put that in there. But I know that would have, you know, involved dealing with, you know, there's license stuff. Radio I mean, show. Yeah. But yeah, uh, if you haven't heard of that before, 
Uh, basically, Nintendo released a reskinned version of Super Mario Brothers in Japan called All Night Nippon, which was based on a radio program that was really popular over there, where a lot of enemies and the mushroom retainers were replaced with the caricatures of radio DJs. So... Yeah, that's that's a thing that exists. Yep, uh, that's up there with the uh, what what was it? The ramen themed uh, uh, excite bike uh, reskin they did. Um, they did they did a few yeah, they did a few of like these that. back then uh, in in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, as we will, this is this is uh, I guess a little cliffhanger for next week. Uh, part of the reason why it, it was attractive for Nintendo to uh, to reskin. Uh, Doki Doki Panic as a different as a Mario game was to get away from some of that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we will, will talk go, about that. We'll, yeah, we'll go deep into that. Um, yeah, next but, time. So, uh, so yeah. Hey, hope you all uh, enjoyed this little uh, talk about Super Mario Brothers, the the original and the Lost Levels. It's uh, sort of a spinoff expansion pack, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, hey, um, engagement, let us know uh, what you thought of original Super Mario Brothers. Uh, you can contact me on Instagram and only Instagram now. So uh, feel free to do that. Uh, my handle is at Snescapades and feel free to follow me if you feel so inclined and are not already doing that. And I guess uh, I guess that's it for now. Yeah. Until until next time. I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Steampunk Link. Play it loud. Play it loud.